going to go back to this message uh, each Wednesday night, and that has to do with uh, keys to biblical prosperity. Father, I just ask that you speak tonight, and speak to our hearts, and, and truly minister to us your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It, there should be no doubt in any believer's heart that God wants you blessed. It, there, is, there should be no doubt in your heart. God wants you to have. You know, in the beginning of a Christian walk, there were so many messages given out to Christians, making us feel like if you have, then something must be really not right. And he's beaten to you to the point where you accept the fact that, well, this is the way things are going to be. So you don't dream. You don't want to even think about more for your life. And prosperity doesn't have all to do with money. Prosperity has to do with your needs met. All of your needs met. So that you have the peace of God in your life. Peace. Your needs are met. You can pay your bills. You are not anxious. God, Jesus said, your father in heaven takes care of the birds and the grass. How much more? That tells me God doesn't want you to be in lack or in need. He says God will take care of your needs. So we need to re-educate our minds that God wants to bless us. And he will use your assignment, like I said on Sunday, he will use the assignment that he has given to you to bless you, whatever that is. Whatever that is, God will use it to bless you. God wants you to be successful. He died so that you can be successful. You define how much success you want in your life. But truly, God wants you to be successful in every area of your life. Your marriage, your finances, your relationships, your children, every area. Because he wants to make you a showcase for the world to see. But it's always according to our faith. So we need to know the scriptures. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So there is a thing called the curse of the law that was and is still in existence and still operating in the lives of people who don't know him. Not for Christians because it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. In other words, he himself became a curse for us so that we can be free from the curse of the law. So anything that means curse or that you interpret to be a curse, to be a lack, that's been taken away from your life. It's no longer part of your life. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He says because it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus became a curse for us. He became a curse for us. He already became that thing called curse. And because he became that, we cannot have that in our lives. 
if God can become a curse, you can't have a curse in your life after you have been redeemed. Redeemed means you have been separated from the curse. Redeemed means you have been transferred from the curse to something else. And it tells us what it is. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Notice he didn't say upon the Jews. They had the curse and the blessings in the Old Testament. But now he's saying for the Gentiles, the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ. So that when you are in Christ, you only have one thing that should come to you. Nothing else. The blessings of Abraham. That's what should come to you. That's your inheritance in Christ. We have to believe these things. Because be it unto you according to your, your faith. So, it's to the Gentiles in Christ. So, if you are in Christ, the blessings of Abraham belong to you. The blessings of Abraham belong to you. That's part of your life. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's another sermon. You see, we, need to, we can't really do justice to this uh, word, redemption, here, unless we go into what he redeemed us from. The redemption of Christ is three, threefold. He redeemed us first from spiritual death. That's the first one. The second one, he, is, he redeemed us from poverty. And I'm going to show you, I put poverty next to it because that's the way God addresses it. When there is spiritual death, the next thing that follows is usually poverty. He redeemed us from poverty. And the third is, He redeemed us from sickness and disease. So when you read the scripture where it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, the curse of the law is threefold. Spiritual death, that's the first part of it. Poverty, that's the second part. The second part. And then sickness and disease is the third part. How can you find the curse of the law? It tells you what it is. It is the curse of the law. The law is from the Old Testament. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 17, For the law was given through Moses. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if I want to find out the curse of the law, and it is necessary to know what the curse of the law is. So as you go through the law, because it tells us the law was given through Moses, so I have to go back to the five books of Moses to find out what I have been redeemed from. Amen? I got to know. Because my people perish for lack of knowledge. So once I discover what the curse is from the book of the law, as soon as I find one, hey, that's the time to rejoice. I'm free from that. And then I look further. Oh, that's another curse. I've been redeemed from that as well. And then you go to the third one. That's not for me. That's the way it works. You discover what the curses are, and then you reverse yourself. Amen. That's not part my portion. And remember what the scripture says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. 
And only the violent ones take it by force. If you don't know these things, you have no fight in you. Amen. But when you know what it is, there is a fight in you. And no, you are not alone. You have the Spirit of God. And as soon as you get a hold of this, the Spirit of God has a weapon in your hand with which to fight. And you can actually fight and free yourself from it. Because that's what the principle Jesus gave us. You shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Once you know the truth, guess who the, tr- the truth is? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he added, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So when you find the truth, you found the Son. And when you find the Son, you're going to be free. Nobody's going to stop you. You found the Lord Jesus. Nobody's can, no devil is going to put you under bondage. You're free. So I've got to find out what the law says about these curses. And once I discover those curses, I'm free. I'm free from them. So we need to talk about these uh, threefold uh, curses in the word. So the first one we'll talk about is spiritual death. Spiritual death. Spiritual death. Now I need to go to this scripture. It says Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. God was speaking to Adam. So as you go through the five books of Moses, you begin to discover these curses. The very first curse came in Genesis. That spiritual death. When Adam sinned. That's the murder of all curses. Amen. (laughs) That's the murder. When Adam sinned. In Genesis 2 verse 17. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Notice what God said. The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We know he wasn't talking about physical death. Because if he was talking about physical death, Adam gets through eating the apple, if you let me say that, and then he falls down, it's over. But we know he didn't die on that day. So God wasn't talking to Adam about the fruit, about, uh, when he talked about eating the, the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He wasn't talking about physical death when he mentioned death. He was talking about spiritual death, which is the mother of all curses. That was the beginning. So Adam partook, Adam and Eve partook of it, and death came not to his physical body, but into his very spirit. And that was the beginning of trouble. And this nature, I will go into this, this nature that Adam took after he ate became a real problem for God. Because God was trying to do everything to help mankind. But this particular thing was a problem. God had to take care of this. We talked a little bit about that on Sunday. It's an interesting story if you read the story of what happened on this day. I believe for God, that was a very sad day when this had happened to Adam. We don't know if God can be sad, but he was a person. He feels. He gets angry. How many of you know that? He gets angry. And I'm sure this wasn't a very pleasing day for him when this happened. If you read in Genesis chapter 3, after the earth, God actually clothed 
Adam, he made clothes for them. Even after they sinned, he made clothes from animal skin to cover them. Adam knew he was naked. Now, we're thinking about just without clothes. But something happened to Adam that day. He was exposed, totally vulnerable to anything the enemy wanted to do to him. He was just no protection over. So God made clothes for them. I believe that was Genesis 3 verse 21. Verse 22, God began to say this. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Now notice that. Didn't he make him in his image? So how come he's become like one of us? Good question. Sometimes we need to read and really think. What is he talking about? God made man in his own image, in his likeness. Now God is saying, after they ate the fruit, God is saying he's become like one of us. In what way? He's become like one of us. To know good and evil. You see, Adam was not meant in his life. He wasn't supposed to know. God could recognize evil when he sees it. But Adam was never, when God created him, he was never to know anything evil for the rest of eternity. That's a blessing. There's nothing like that. God wasn't saying, we got to destroy Adam. Now, no. God was lamenting, now we created him. Now he can recognize and experience evil. God knows what evil is. He recognizes But James chapter 1 says, God is never touched by that. But Adam could. He could be destroyed. He could suffer pain. He could experience it. That's an amazing thing. You see, when you read and you begin to see the love of God, God, even in that condition, was still loving Adam. But then God saw, oh my goodness, look at what he did. He's done to himself. God knows when a Satan sinned, God knew that was evil. And he punished him. For it. But this man was made in his likeness. And God was going to shield him. He was going to have a better part. God could recognize this man was never to see. Or even recognize what evil was like. But now all kinds of evil could come to his life. And he could experience it. Pain. uncertainties, fear. He started with it. He was running away from God. He, was, he said, I was afraid. He never knew that before. Now he was exposed. He never turned around to see what was there. What was that? It was going to destroy my life. That was not Adam until yet. But now, if something moved, he turned around to see if he was safe. He was never to know that. That was how God created him. Now everything had changed. Spiritual death. Serious evil. The mother of all curses. And that's what Jesus came for us. To deliver us from spiritual death. So that we don't have to know all of these other things. Amen. So God said, he's become like one of us. To know good and evil. 
And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Does God not want Adam to live forever? That's not what he's saying. Understand what God's saying. If he eats that fruit, he could eat from that fruit. And Adam ate from the fruit of the tree of life all until that day. Because God didn't tell him he couldn't eat from it. He already had eternal life. So there was no reason for God to say, don't eat of the tree of the, the tree of life. He could eat from that. The only single tree that God said he couldn't touch was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me go a little bit to the side. That's your tithe. When God gives you good as a Christian, he reserves something for himself. He says, don't touch it. Your tithe is that tree. You touch it, you get a curse. Christians need to understand that. When you recognize it, and you know it, and you decide, I'm still going to do this, because it's no big deal, you are assuming too much. Because the day you take it, and when God sees you using it, that's his money, it comes on you. Things can turn around. He may give you grace for a while because of the, the dispensation in which we live. But you don't want to be there on payday. It's going to be really rough. And it's one thing after the other. You see, for me, this is a real side issue. For me, I don't play with this. <laughs> I just don't. Doesn't matter how big it is, I'm letting it go. Because if you keep it, it stays the same. Meaning you are ready to stay where you are. If you sow it, give it back to God. He multiply it, give it back to you. That's the side sermon. Amen. God was saying to Adam, if he eats this fruit, then he's going to live forever. Forever knowing evil. Pain. Disease. Sickness. All of that. No end. That's what hell, hell is going to look like. And God says, I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to prevent him from eating that thing so that this cannot, I can't change it. If he puts his hand and eats that thing, it's over. He's going to experience evil for the rest of his life, for eternity. No redemption. So God, I mean, God was drastic. He drove him away. He sent an angel and a, a, fire, uh, a fiery sword that turns every way around that tree itself, to prevent him from touching that tree, because if Adam ate from that tree, oof, that's the rest of it is finished. No redemption for us. That's why God was so drastic. Spiritual death is really evil. That's why God, Jesus, went to the cross to deliver people from their sins. Because if that thing stays in you, what God was trying to prevent when he sent the angel of the east side to guard the way to the tree, he sent an angel to stay on the entrance, the east side, so that to guard the way to the tree, and then put a flaming sword that turned everywhere around the tree, so Adam couldn't get to it. Not because he didn't care about Adam, because he knew if Adam eats that thing, it's over. Pain for the rest of eternity. That's like hell. That's what's going to happen. So that's spiritual death. 
You see, from that very day, death has been a mystery to man. You know, I hear people say, the Christians want to go to heaven, but they don't want to die. How many of you heard that? (laughs) You know, even as a believer, we still wonder about death. I mean, am I alone? You guys are not that. You guys are all real spiritual, and I'm because I still think about this stuff. What is this? You know, death is a mystery to us. You know why? It wasn't. He wasn't originally created for us. It wasn't for us. It wasn't a part of of our being. So it's still a mystery even now. And the Bible calls death an enemy. In First Corinthians 15, I believe verse 20 says, "He says is the last enemy that's going to be destroyed. Death is an enemy." Spiritual death. There are three kinds of death. There is the uh, spiritual death, which is really different. Spiritual death is separation from God. There is something really serious about spiritual death. Notice this. It's not just the separation from God that's the problem, but Adam's nature was totally changed. Adam's nature was totally, completely changed. You know, I've said this here before in our church. You are not a sinner because you sin. Get that. You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because what? You're a sinner. That's who you are. It's spiritual death. You can't change yourself. That's who you are. Jesus, the Pharisees were great people. Good people. They paid their tithes. Amen. They went to church. Every Saturday, they were in church. They gave alms. They prayed. And yet, this is what Jesus said to them. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You are of your father, the devil. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So, the thing is, Adam's nature actually changed. And I read from John chapter, first, first John chapter 3. The children of God are different from the children of the devil. So, there is, there is that thing that happened to Adam. His nature was changed. Good works cannot help a man. You can't train a mule to become a racehorse. No matter how hard you try. You can dress the mule up, give him a good exercise and let him practice just to race with the racehorses, feed him real good, house him real well. But on the day of the race, once the girls go, the mule will be behind because it's a mule. It's not going to change. There's a Nigerian preacher that said this. You know, there's this uh, type of uh, lizard. It's really small. In Nigeria, real small lizard. Some of you have been in Nigeria, you see that lizard. He said, even if you transfer a lizard, well, this is the way he put it, a lizard in Nigeria is not going to become an alligator when he gets to America. 
Uh-huh. It just can't change. The only way from spiritual death is through the cross. This is what God has done. That we can be forgiven and our nature, that spiritual death can be taken away from us. That's why Jesus became a curse for us. He became sin for us. He became, it's not like sin was on him. He became sin for us so that that spiritual death is totally removed from our lives. And now we can be cursed. Amen? We just cannot be cursed. You're free. So that's spiritual death. Physical death is the physical manifestation of spiritual death. So spiritual death came in, into the body, and through the law of sin and death, destroyed the body by way of death. So physical death is actually a physical manifestation of spiritual death. And uh, the last part, the third part, is eternal death, which is, we can find that in uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, the lake of fire. That's the resting place for the spiritually dead. Those that have spiritual death in their spirit, that's where they will be. But Christ has redeemed us from spiritual death. He became that for us. Now, hear what Jesus has to say. In John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to unto life. He's talking about spiritual life. Spiritual life. In other words, your spirit comes alive. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. It says, In you he made alive who were dead in what? In trespasses and sin. He brought your spiritual life so you are now back to life. You are, God's not going to prevent you from eating from the tree of life. In fact, in Revelation, he says he will make available the tree of life for you. You can eat now. Because you no longer have spiritual death in your soul. You're free. So that's what Jesus did for us. It's not by works. It's by grace. Grace of God that God has given to us. Jesus himself became a substitute for us. Jesus himself became a substitute for us. Jesus was not born with spiritual death in his spirit. And what that says, and that's why it's so complete. What that says... If you don't have spiritual death in your spirit, you cannot die physically. It's impossible for you to die physically. Let me read this scripture to you. John 5:26. The same John chapter 5. It says, "For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself." In other words, Jesus was declaring I don't have spiritual death like the rest of you. That's all he was saying. I don't have it. He was not born with spiritual death in, a, in his soul. We were born with spiritual death. And he says, just like the father doesn't have spiritual death in his person, I don't have it either. I got that right. 
But then notice, if he doesn't have spiritual death, he cannot die physically. But what he did, he took on upon himself. If he died physically, he's paid our price. We don't have to die anymore. That's substitution. He died physically, whereas he couldn't, he shouldn't, he took our place. Because he didn't take sin into his spirit, but he allowed his body that shouldn't die to die for us in our place so that we can be transferred or redeemed from spiritual death and we can live forever. So he destroyed spiritual death. And we can come alive in him because of what he did. So he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we, through his death, become the righteousness of God in him. And so spiritual death is destroyed. Second part of it, and there's a lot I want to say. We're talking, let's keep things in perspective. Keys to biblical prosperity. And we're just talking about the curse because we started from Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. uh, That God has redeemed us from the curse. We're going back there because it's really important. We need to know. But I'm talking at this time about um, the curse itself. The second curse is the curse of poverty. And as I said, you can always find this in the books of Moses. And if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Bible tells us about these curses that God has uh, put upon mankind, those that have sinned against him. Verse 16, it says, You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket, I'm reading from uh, the New Century Version. Can you put that for me, please? New Century Version. You can read it from up here. I think it's clearer. So I went with New Century Version. It says, You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. This, uh, the curses in the Old Testament that God, the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from, cursed in the city. In other words, it doesn't matter where you live. Whether you live in the United States or live in Nigeria, it's the same thing. No matter where you are, this curse will go after you. If you don't do what God says, you'll be cursed in the city, you'll be cursed in the country. Your basket and your kitchen will be cursed. No matter what you bring in, everything is cursed. Your children will be cursed as well as your crops. So crops here, that's the way they lived in those days. You raise, you, you go to the farm and you, make, uh, you get your produce and you sell and that's the way they lived. It says your calves of your hair, the, the calves of your heads and the lambs of your flocks will be cursed. You will be cursed when you go in and when you go out. The Lord will send you curses, confusion, and punishment in everything you do. It doesn't matter what you do, there will be curses and punishment. No matter what you do. Why? Because of spiritual death. Because you don't obey the Lord. And there's a passage in in, um, Deuteronomy where God almost was lamenting. He says, I wish they have a heart in them. I wish they have it a heart in them so that they will be blessed and their children. I wish they have that heart in them to follow my ways so that their children and they and their children can be blessed. But the heart wasn't there. So instead, all they have is this. So there will be confusion. I many people have suffered confusion. There are a lot of people suffering confusion 
and punishment in everything you do. You will be destroyed and suddenly ruined because you did, not, you did wrong when you, left, when you left him. Verse 38, it says, You will plant much seed in your field, but your harvest will be small. So you're doing a whole lot of work. You got a lot of work that you're doing. Maybe three jobs and still you're struggling. No matter what you do, it says you're going to suffer. Um, you will plant more seed in your field, but you, your harvest will be small. Because locusts will eat it, will eat the crop. You will plant vineyards and work hard in them, but you will not pick the grapes or, the, or drink the wine because the worms will eat them. You will have olive trees in all your land, but you will not get any oil, any olive oil, because the olives will drop off the trees. In other words, no matter how hard you try. Now, the point I'm trying to make is this. When you don't follow the ways of God, the Bible says these curses will follow you. And these curses are the curses that God has redeemed us from, according to Galatians chapter 3. In other words, if I sow, because I don't have the curse upon me, I've got to get some good harvest. Can I hear an amen? i got to have a harvest. No matter what I put my hands to do, God says there will be confusion. I'm not going to suffer that. Anything I decide I'm going to do, that's God's going to prosper it. No matter what I do, I just discover these things, and as I read through them, I know whether I live in Nigeria or I live in America, I'm going to be okay. Doesn't matter where. Out in the country or in the city, God will take care of me. And that's what God is showing to the world. That's what God is showing to the world. That when you are redeemed from the curse, it doesn't matter where you live. God can bless you. Now I shared in our church here, there is a church, and there are several churches in Nigeria now. The pastors have jets. That's true. I'm not saying that's the standard, but they're trusting God. God's doing the great work. When I came to America, I hear people talking about prosperity, and all I hear is if he really believes God wants to bless everybody, let him go and preach in Africa. I heard that many times. I heard Christians saying that to my face. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with Africa? I'm from there. What's the matter? And they said it a lot in the 80s. If he really believes God wants to bless all Christians and make Christians have wealth, let him go and preach his message. Why is he preaching in America? In other words, God can do it in America and he can't do it in Africa because they don't have the resources. But when you are redeemed from the curse, there's nothing that can stop you. It doesn't matter where you live. A preacher said, I don't want money from the east, from the west. I don't want any preacher giving me anything. He said he was in a meeting in, a, in the United States, and usually people who have big churches in the U.S. assume he has a church in Africa, he has many needs. And he, he didn't like that. This minister went to him and said to this guy, he said, uh, do you have any needs? He was not pleased with that kind of uh, question. He said, we don't have any needs. If you have any need, he's talking to the American preacher, if, we have, if you have any need, we'll help you. 
We don't, our, our ministry is not a needy ministry to him. He has the largest church building in the world today. I heard of this first time in my pastor's office. And it's not just him. There are several of them that God is blessed. So when God says in his word, you will be blessed in the city, I mean cursed in the city, and cursed in the country, now that's been taken away from us. It doesn't matter where you live or what kind of job that you do. God can bless you. In the city or in the country. Doesn't matter where you're working. God can bless you. If you apply the principles that God has given to us. And he talked also about the children. Your children will be cursed as well. Your crops. That's your business. Whatever you do. God says you, they will be cursed. But the reverse is what we're talking about. We're going to be talking more about how, notice the message is the keys to biblical prosperity. The things that we must do so that we can get the blessings of Abraham. Now I want to go to the third thing tonight. That's sickness and disease. Because of the curse, this is what happened. The Bible says in, in uh, Deuteronomy 28, Beginning from verse 15. But if you do not obey the Lord your God, and carefully, this is verse 15, and you have both, and carefully follow all His commands and law. What do they have to do? Carefully follow all His commands and law. The Jew has to do, the Jew has to do these things. If he expects to be blessed under the law, if he doesn't, he gets the reverse. The curse. The curse. But if you do not obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands and laws, I will give... Uh, it's, I'm sorry, excuse me. The laws I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and stay. Verse 59. The Lord will give terrible diseases to you and to your descendants. You will have long and serious diseases and long and miserable sicknesses. He will give you all the diseases of Egypt that you dread. In other words, as they lived in Egypt, they were being protected from some kind of sickness and disease that they see in the Egyptians. They were afraid of them, but God protected them from those. And God says, if you don't follow my laws, that's what's going to be coming to you. He says, those diseases will stay with you. Verse 61, and the Lord also, the Lord will also give you every disease and sickness not written in this book of the teaching until you are destroyed. You, you people may have at number the stars, but only a few of you will be left because you did not obey the Lord your God. In other words, you got children, but disease will just take them off. They die early and they're gone. And so you are just a few. But they have to obey the law. You know, some people will say, well, this was really for the Jews, this Old Testament for them. 
if they obeyed, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law because Jesus is made a curse for us. Is he made a curse for us according to the scriptures? But do we have to really do anything to bring this thing to our, to our lives? The blessings of God. These are not just for the Old Testament saints. They are here for us. But we also have to do something. We have to obey the law of love. The law of love. That's the only law we have to obey. We have to obey the law of love. That God must be first. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those things, then the blessings of Abraham will come upon you and the curses are not a part of your life. That's the only requirement that we have to activate the blessings of Abraham upon our lives. The curse has been removed. We don't have that anymore. All that we have for us is the blessing of Abraham. We can separate ourselves based on the scriptures. This is not for me. This is not for me. But to activate the blessings so that you don't have the influence of the law of the curse upon your life, you have to obey the word of God, which is the law of love. Because Paul says, though loving your neighbor as yourself is the fulfillment of the law. And that's New Testament. So when you do that, you've obeyed everything and the blessings of Abraham need to come upon your life. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a, on a tree. That's the first part. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. The curse was removed so that the blessings can come upon us. And all of this as the promise of Abraham. So now we need to find out about the blessings. Amen? That's what we need to know. We need to know what the blessings are, and then we'll begin to claim. We don't have to worry about the, law, the curse that's been taken. Now I have to know how to active, activate the blessings of God in my life so that I will avoid all of the curses. That includes the, the influence of spiritual death on your souls that people who are saved and still are operating as if they are still in spiritual death. That's supposed to be pushed away. How to operate and be free from sickness and disease so that no matter what the enemy does, I can safely say God is the help. I don't have to go through any evil. God can deliver me. I have to be free from poverty as well. Amen? Stand up with me tonight. There are some principles we're going to be talking about beginning next week on how to activate these blessings of God upon our lives. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord tonight. And what we need to do tonight is to thank God that the curses are no longer a part of our lives. We are free from them. God has come to be in our lives. 
you no longer have spiritual death in your soul. You're free to eat of the tree of life. As Jesus said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's what I will be for the rest of my life. I'm looking to enjoy this abundant life that Jesus came to give to us. That's what I spend the rest of my life searching for, the abundant life. Father, we thank you for your mercy tonight. We thank you for your grace and the freedom from all of these curses that are part of the Old Testament according to the word of God that we have been freed from the curse of the law that we might become partakers of the blessings of Abraham. We need to know what the blessings of Abraham, what the blessing of Abraham is, O God, so that we can begin to operate in this area of our lives. Thank you, Father. The entrance into your word gives light. And we receive that light that comes from the word tonight. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Next Wednesday,